Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, a new Charlie's Angels, but you wonder if their heart is really in it. The best part is them taking down international criminals. It's you guys. And the day drinking. That's what I like the most. Portrait of a lady on fire looks behind the surface of a brilliant painting. Ça fait des années que je rêve de faire ça. Mourir. Courir. And what are the chances that Ford can beat Ferrari at Le Mans? And how long did you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> I'm Simon Morris. It's probably not escaped your notice that this year there have been far more movies with leading women characters than usual. This has been across the board too, none of your minor chick flicks and soapy rom-coms. We've seen blockbusters, Captain Marvel and The Last Terminator. We've seen comedies, Booksmart and Last Christmas. We've had musicals, Judy and Wild Rose. And we've had a wide range of dramas, from the royalty of the favourite to the strip joints of Hustlers. I gotta... These are my co-workers. Jobs, please. What if somebody calls the cops? And says what? I spent $5,000 at a strip club, sent help. So why so many and why now? Is it the result of political pressure, especially around award season? Oscars so pale, male and stale, that sort of thing. Is it a sense of shame or at least embarrassment? The number of women in leading movie roles has been pretty bad for decades. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. Or is it simply that movies with more than one or two women in them are often more interesting? It's certainly movies with that sort of thinking behind them that are likely to do better at the box office than ones that seem to be merely filling a gap. No, no, no. Not acceptable. This is not okay. Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed you to take my breath away? It's one thing to get the right sort of movie made, a movie that, say, accurately reflects the range of people in an audience these days. But it's quite another to get people to go and see it. Audiences generally don't pay good money to see a film out of a sense of duty. You've got to give them a better reason than that. The country music is three chords in the truth. Just get whoever's in there out. I should have been born in America. I'm an American. You're young. You're incredibly talented. There is nothing you can't do. Of course, that's the case with any movie, not just the obviously worthy. Hollywood has learnt the hard way that you try and make movies for everyone, not just the hardcore fans, whether they're sports fans, comic book fans, or fans of popular TV shows of the past. But I took them away from all that, and now they work for me. 
My name is Charlie. Case in point, a creaky old TV series called Charlie's Angels. The premise in the 70s was simple. Imagine a cop show starring three Playboy bunnies. Target audience, 14-year-old boys of all ages. Who knew that a movie remake 20 years later would reimagine the Angels as some sort of feminist role models? Good evening, Charlie. Madison, is that you? Sorry, Charlie. I don't take orders from a speaker box anymore. I work for myself. Well, your boss sucks. It's certainly aimed at a wider audience than just the original fans. But this week, who was the reboot of the reboot aimed at? Similarly, a lesbian love story like Portrait of a Lady on Fire won big at can by reaching out beyond its cult audience. Occasionally, a film can meet an audience that knows too much. Movies about sports events are famously targets for nitpicking fact-checkers, especially in this country when there's a perception Kiwi participants were treated unfairly, like in the American film Ford vs. Ferrari. Ken Miles is not a Ford man. We're on the verge of something. And now you tell me that I can't have the best man in the world behind the wheel? Give me one reason why I don't fire everyone starting with you. Well, sir. I may have enjoyed that film rather more than its supposed target audience because I knew nothing about Le Mans 1966 and therefore didn't feel aggrieved on behalf of slighted New Zealand drivers Bruce McLaren and Chris Amon. But first, it's back. But why? Charlie's Angels. David I think women can do anything. Just because they can doesn't mean they should. <laughs> but I have so many talents. It's like I'm I'm just a decoy star. The dominant emotion generated by the new-look feminist comedy version of Charlie's Angels, I believe, has been disappointment. Well, this surprised me. Who had high hopes for a film called Charlie's Angels, I wondered? That's just the way you make me feel. You're money. Outstanding angels. But of course, I was thinking of the golden age of crap television that spawned the original TV series, when producer Aaron Spelling also offered the world The Mod Squad, The Love Boat, and Fantasy Island. Whatever this film was like, it had to be better than them, surely. I don't like that, boy. You guys are like lady spies. Jane's former MI6. Oh, God. What did you do to Sven? I compressed his carotid and deoxygenated his brainstem. Well, that sounds painful. Don't worry, he's going to wake up. Unless he doesn't. There were a couple of interim Charlie's Angels movies before this one, rather more female-skewed than the TV show, and boosted by the then-major star power of Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz. It reached a pretty wide audience and has been used as a stick to beat this one with. Elena would need to go. No! No, I'm Jane. Oh. One persistent complaint is the rather B-list quality of the cast here, apart from Kristen Stewart, formerly of the Twilight movies and subsequently mostly found in serious, slightly arty films. Actually, Kristen is hilarious in Charlie's Angels, which is not something I thought I'd ever find myself saying. Sabina runs the ground game. See, I know stuff. 
Let's get the weapon before it becomes every bad guy's favorite new toy. Take her to the closet, hear her up. The other big name is comedy actress Elizabeth Banks, who surprised many people by making a good fist as a director of the Pitch Perfect series. She not only directs this Charlie's Angels, but she wrote the script, as well as appearing in the movie as the Angels' den mother, Bosley. This may turn out to be one job too many. The best part is in taking down international criminals. It's you guys. And the day drinking. That's what I like the most. Saying that Elizabeth Banks plays Bosley is a little reductive. Bosley is no longer the comedy butler of the Angels. There are actually several Bosleys now, including Patrick Stewart, who appears at the start of the film to kick off proceedings with Kristen Stewart as Sabina. So that's four months surveillance, two countries, and the most embarrassing date I have ever been on in my life. Yeah. Are we good? I will address this to the U.S. Justice Department, along with uh, all your new friends here. There are considerably more angels these days, too, but at first we concentrate on just two. Sabina, who's the wacky hard case one, and Jane, who's the statuesque English-Indian princess, formerly, we're told, from MI5. She's played by Ella Belinska. I know, me neither. I love phosphorus. Yeah, it's my favourite chemical. <laughs> Jane, are you flirting with a handsome nerd? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Having beaten up the tuxedoed ruffians at the start, Sabina and Jane are assigned another case, a glamorous whistleblower at a big high-tech organisation. Her name is Elena, played by Naomi Scott, who was last seen as Aladdin's princess. You wonder, how many princesses does Charlie need this time? You have a new client? Who is she? I can't sleep at night. I'm the lead programmer on a product that can revolutionise the power industry, but there is a possibility it can be weaponized. While the two angels go to work with a third, obviously future angel, the first Bosley, Patrick Stewart, retires, and a new one, Elizabeth Banks, takes over and is immediately pressed into exposition duty. Angel. Who are you? I'm Bosley. Welcome to the Townsend Agency. We exist because traditional law enforcement can't keep up. I don't like that. Hearing this is all Elena, the computer programmer, needs. She's in. But next thing we know, a mysterious tattooed hitman appears with an eye on... An eye on who? Is he out to kill Elena? Or to take out Sabina and Jane? Maybe he just wants to get a bit of practice in. He was so extra, right? I could take that girl out with, like, a fly swatter. He rocks up in this urban assault vehicle. So we're thinking, what, he was... Maybe she was being watched, but... What if we are... And by who? Now, because my expectations for Charlie's Angels were so low as to be almost non-existent, I never had the thwarted high hopes that seem to have infuriated so many others. It was dumb and a bit violent. Fine, so's Kingsman. And it was rather funnier than that exercise in spy smugness. Take her in the closet. So I can just take whatever I want? Borrow. Is that an actual rule? Maybe the 14-year-old me liked the look of this batch of angels. No idea. But I can tell you that precisely half an hour after not particularly hating it, I'd forgotten every second of it. Good morning, angels. Good morning, Charlie. 
The French film Portrait of a Lady on Fire already comes bearing laurels. Sandra Reid from the New Zealand International Film Festival was a huge fan, and so was the prestigious Cannes Festival, which awarded the film the best screenplay. Je suis venue pour vous peindre. C'était donc ça vos regards. The film is almost entirely driven by women, from the writer-director Céline Sciamma to the all-female cast, and it's a love story between two young women. But that's scratching the surface of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, set in chilly Brittany sometime in the late 18th century. A portrait painter named Marianne is summoned for an important assignment. The assignment is to paint the fiancé of a wealthy Italian aristocrat. It's an arranged marriage and the Count hasn't actually seen Eloise yet. So her mother needs a flattering portrait to persuade him he's getting his money's worth. But there's a snag. L'homme intéressé par ma fille est milanais. Nous partons là-bas, si le portrait lui plaît. Il a épuisé déjà un peintre avant vous. Que s'est-il passé Je ne sais pas. Eloise is resisting the marriage and refuses all attempts to paint her. A previous painter gave up because she wouldn't pose for a portrait. So Mum has a new strategy. She'll claim Marianne is simply a companion for Eloise. She can spend all day with her and then at night secretly paint her from memory. Vous allez devoir la peindre sans qu'elle sache. Elle pense que vous êtes une compagne de promenade pour quelques jours. Elle pense que je suis là pour la surveiller. Et vous? This is a situation filled with possibilities, particularly when Eloise's mother is called away for a week, leaving them alone together in the house. Well, that's not quite true. There's a young maid, Sophie, kept in the background at first, but who will play an important part later. Elle vous attend. The attraction of Portrait of a Lady on Fire is not just the beauty of its protagonists, including the still-luminous Valeria Galino as Eloise's mother. The film looks wonderful, using a wide range of natural light inside and out. Ça fait des années que je rêve de faire ça. Mourir. Courir. This is a film about looking, secret looks while the other's unaware, then increasingly bold and direct as the two women become more intimate. But it's also about memory as Marianne retains moments with Eloise to recapture alone in front of an easel. Que savez-vous de mon futur mariage? Rien. C'est tout ce que j'en sais aussi. Quand allez-vous vous marier? Je ne sais pas si je vais me marier. C'est parce que vous pouvez choisir que vous ne me comprenez pas. When Marianne decides to reveal to Eloise what she's been doing, their relationship changes unexpectedly. It's no longer based on deception, but it's still dependent on Marianne's painting being good enough to encourage Eloise's suitor to take her away forever. Je vous comprends. Quand vous êtes embarrassé, vous mordez vos lèvres. Vraiment. Quand vous êtes troublé, vous respirez par la bouche. 
There's another element too, the ancient Greek tale of Orpheus and Eurydice, where an artist attempts to win back his love only to fail at the final glance. Well, this story is usually told from the point of view of the bereft Orpheus. But what of the woman? How did Eurydice react at the end of the affair? Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the title has more than one interpretation, is an equally intriguing and ravishing experience too. Yes, it's very much about the female gaze for a change, but there's much here for the ear as well. The music is extraordinary, often just female voices and hand claps, but the whole film deserves all the awards it's been receiving. Before launching into the American film Ford vs. Ferrari, once called Le Mans 66, but retitled possibly to reveal the entire plot for its petrolhead fan base, I should point out that my knowledge of motor racing is pretty limited. Look out there. Out there is the perfect lap. You see it? I think so. Most people can't. I know racing cars are different from stock cars and sports cars. I know the point of racing them is to beat the others past the chequered flag. Well, that's about it. So the story of the 1966 Le Mans race was all new to me, and therefore, as it turned out, pretty interesting. And that's it, folks. Ferrari wins the 24 Hours of Le Mans for the fifth consecutive year. It was going to have to be. James Mangold's film is a bottom-numbing 152 minutes long and depended almost entirely on two blokey performances. Car designer Carol Shelby is played by Matt Damon and heroic driver Ken Miles, the what-a-guy part, is played by Christian Bale. How long have we known each other, Ken? I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. If you just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. Now, at a time when old-fashioned movie stars are rather thin on the ground, it's a bit of luck that these two stand out. Damon and Bale are both essentially character actors with a certain thing they do, but they've each got a little something extra that keeps your interest up for an entire movie. All right. Morning, Shelby. Morning, Molly. Up yours. I'll go to hell. Both Shelby and Miles are being held back despite their obvious talent, by lack of money in Shelby's case, and by a short fuse in the case of the volatile Ken Miles. Then one day, opportunity knocks in the shape of Lee Iacocca, an executive of Ford Motors. Suppose Henry Ford II wanted to build the greatest race car the world's ever seen to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What in about speed? 
Ford is run by the ultra-competitive Henry Ford II, and in the mid-60s, they're the biggest car manufacturer in the world. But big doesn't mean sexiest or even best loved. That would be Italy's famous Ferrari company, who every year triumphs at the world's racetracks, especially the daunting Le Mans event, a race that lasts 24 hours non-stop. Mr. Ford, Ferrari has a message for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. And uh, he called you fat, sir. We're going to bury Ferrari at Le Mans. Ford wants to beat Ferrari, and he doesn't care how much it costs. Get me the top car designers in the country, he demands. Well, in this story, at any rate, that means Carol Shelby. And Shelby insists on having the greatest driver along to help develop the Ford racing vehicle. You need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. I don't trust him an inch. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. So that means Ken Miles. Once again, I'm quoting this film, though I gather it's very much a matter of opinion, particularly in this country. New Zealand drivers Bruce McLaren, Denny Holm and Chris Amon were part of the Ford team too, but they're very much relegated to the background, leaving Ken Miles in the star role. No, whatever it is, Shell, no, trust me. You're going to build a car to beat Ferrari with... A Ford. Correct. Leaving the rights and wrongs to one side, it is just a movie after all. Shelby and Miles are constantly at war with the conservative executives of Ford. You see, neither of our two heroes are team players. Incidentally, can you name a single hero of a movie like this who is a team player? No, you can't. They're all sexy mavericks. And how long did you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> and once you get past the boardroom politics at home, there's the race itself, where Ford is pitched against Ferrari. Those arrogant Italians have rubbed the Americans' faces in the dirt five times in a row. Can Ford take them on this year? This isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. Well, that's the whole story of Ford versus Ferrari, of course, and it's not only everything anyone could ask for, anyone but a few disgruntled New Zealand racing enthusiasts, I concede, but it pops along at a pretty good clip for a film as long and potentially repetitive as this one. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. We're going to make history. Because absolutely everything here was new material to me, I was possibly entertained far more than an obsessively knowledgeable Le Mans buff. My only complaint, based on my single area of expertise in Ford versus Ferrari, was that the music was mostly near enough rather than authentic 1966. You ready? I was born ready, Mr. Shelby. Hit it. (laughs) 
But on a wet Saturday afternoon, near enough is usually good enough. If you want to know the exact details, look them up. But if you just want a blokey movie about cars driving so fast that they reduce the eminently dislikable Henry Ford II to tears, here it is. And as the chequered flag waves us down, we've reached the finishing line. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.